0: 30, and 31. Again, that's Psalm 139 and 14, Proverbs 19 and 8, and also Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. If you have that, say amen. I want you to stand while we're reading God's word on this morning. I want you to stand where you are. Some powerful words are being spoken. We're standing in reference, reverence to the word but we're also standing accepting this word into our own heart. Psalm 139 and 14, the English Standard Version reads like this, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. Proverbs 19 and eight from the New Living Translation. It reads like this, to acquire wisdom, is to love yourself. I'm going to read that again. To acquire wisdom is to love yourself. People who cherish understanding will prosper. And finally, more familiar passage, Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. The word reads, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is, is like, second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. My thought for the morning is embracing me. Why don't you do this for me? I want, every, I want everybody in here to put your arms around yourself and say embracing me. let hold yourself there. Hold it for a minute. Embracing. Embracing me. My thought for, a sub-thought for the morning really is, do I know how to love myself? Do I know how to love myself? And part of the scripture here, it teaches us that that is part of the gospel. Jesus says that the first commandment, the greatest commandment, is we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our might. And then it says just like that is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. But how can I love you the way you need to be loved if I don't love myself? How can I love you the way that I need to if I don't love myself? Many of you know that some of the people in your life that causes you the greatest problem and are creating the greatest turmoil turmoil in your life, the greatest hindrances in your life are people whose aggravation is not as much with you as it is with themselves. If they learn to love themselves, they love you better. I wish I had help here. If they learn to love themselves, they would love you better. And instead of you talking about them, we talked about this the other week, you need to pray for them. Lord, help them to love themselves. Help them to grow closer to you so that they understand what love really is. We ought to be praying for those. Pray for them that despitefully use us. Love those that hate us. We should pray that, Lord, let them get closer to you and help them understand what love is so that they can first learn how to love themselves, Learning, Loving yourself, we're going to talk about it, but learn to love yourself is powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Learning to love yourself is powerful because we all also know people who are dependent upon other people yeah. to love them. That person that can never be by themselves. They jump from relationship from re- to relationship, from one bed to another bed trying to find affection, trying to find love because they don't truly have love for themselves. But today, let's, let's talk about it. Loving yourself, let me give you this. Loving yourself is a journey, not a destination. It is a lifestyle, not an event. Let me say that again. Loving yourself is a journey. It's the journey, not the destination. It is a lifestyle, not an event. You can't love yourself for all the love that you need. You can't love, all your, love yourself enough just today. You can't love yourself today and then that be enough. You need more than that. Somebody, somebody say that for you to say, I need more than that. You, can, you, can't, you, you can't accomplish it in a day. It's not a destination. It is a journey. It's not a one-time event It is a lifestyle that you must continuously show love for yourself. Similarly, as you must show love to God. The Bible, here, look what it says as it relates to loving God. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You can't do that in one day. That's something that you must continuously do. It's not an event. It is a journey. It is a lifestyle. It's something that we must do every day. Paul puts it this way. He said, I die daily. I have to conquer my flesh every day. It's something that I must work on every day. In fact, if you were in a relationship, you wouldn't accept accept someone saying, well, I loved you yesterday. I don't have to (laughs) love you today because I loved you yesterday. I, I, I showed all the love that I have for you on yesterday. No, it is a continuous journey. It is a lifestyle. It is not simply an event. Something that we must continuously do. But you cannot love or appreciate something that you don't really know. cannot truly love something that you don't really appreciate or that you don't really know. Loving yourself requires you appreciating what God put in you. Proverbs 19 and 8 says, to acquire wisdom is to love yourself. That means when you are wise, you learn to love yourself. But wisdom means that I have learned something. I have learned about myself. I have learned what God has put in me. I'm able to love because I know something about that which I am loving. And we really truly do not know who you are until you begin to appreciate what God put in you. Now, exploring that part of you requires submitting your heart to God. You have to give God your whole heart. You have to fully submit yourself to Him. Remember, that is our reasonable service. Submit yourself, your whole bodies, unto Christ, which is our reasonable service. God requires that of us. But until we have done that, we don't truly appreciate who we are. Let me put it in this context. For any of you who've experienced love in the world, we're not talking about the love of God, but you've just learned how to love. You've been in love. You've fallen in love with somebody else. When you fell in love, there's a vulnerability there. That means you submitted yourself to become vulnerable. That means you exposed to someone else your feelings. And after you exposed to them your feelings and they returned the same to you, then you really understood what love felt like. Does anybody remember the first time you fell in love? The first time you, 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 were, you were talking on the phone all night and saying, you, you hang up. No, no, you hang up and you, you falling asleep, snoring, slobbering on the phone trying to talk to each other all night because you, you, you have experienced love. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about when you hear their name, it's just a little fluttering that happens in your heart because you, you heard that I wish I had some folks who've been in love in here. You, you, you all had a little song, and every time you heard that song, on, come on now. It used to be on the radio, now you hear it on iTunes or you're streaming it somewhere. You hear that song come on, a certain feeling overtakes you because you have experienced love. I wish I had something. I wish I had some help in here. Uh, uh, SWV said, It's something about the way you do what you do, what you do when. Causing me to feel a certain way, <laughs> whatever it is. Come on now, I, I wish I had some real, some real folks who've been in love in here. But, but the song comes on the radio, and all of a sudden, you start feeling something. The song said, my heart starts beating triple time. <laughs> There's a fluttering in my heart, because I am, I wish I had some real folks in here, because I am in love. There's a vulnerability there, though. That means you have exposed yourself. You have laid it on the table. I love you. I feel this way about you. I want to be with you. And then you begin to experience that feeling. But you only experience that feeling after you have first submitted and made yourself vulnerable to someone else. And some of us, the reason that we haven't felt the fullness of God or have a true understanding of who we are is because we truly haven't submitted ourselves totally and completely over to God. Yes. You know, we, we the Psalms said, you stepped in the water. You stepped in it but you didn't get all the way in. (laughs) You haven't haven't been fully submerged. You haven't been fully committed. You haven't fully made yourself vulnerable to God because until you do that, you haven't exposed yourself to him fully and you don't even truly know who you are. Somebody point at your neighbor and say, do you know who you are? are. Until you've done the same with God. In fact, I, I put it this way. The people who truly know me know me because know how much I love God. And if they don't know how much I love God, then they don't really know me. They don't really know me. They might be an acquaintance, but they don't really know me because the fullness of who I am is only exposed under the light of me fully submitting myself to God and the same is with all of us. You don't even truly know who you are until you have fully exposed yourself and made yourself vulnerable enough to submit yourself completely and totally to God. So until you do that with God, you won't understand the feeling that I'm talking about. Paul challenged Timothy to know himself better. He challenged him there in 1 Timothy 5 and 6. He was talking about, he said, I know, he said, I know what your grandmother did. I, I, I knew your grandmother Lois. I knew your mother Eunice. And I knew what was in them. They, they were faithful in prayer. They were faithful in service to God. He said, so I know that that same thing is in you. And he said, I'm, I'm challenging you to stir up the gift of God that is within you. What he's saying is, you don't, Timothy, right now, you don't even know who you fully are because you're not aware of what is in you. He's saying, I see what's in you, and sometimes it's like that. Sometimes other people see what's in you before you see it. Sometimes other people, they get a a glimmer of your gift. They they get exposure to you, and sometimes you don't even fully realize it because you haven't fully committed yourself and submitted yourself to him. and, And they see things in you that you don't even see in yourself. And some of you, that's why some of you have enemies and you don't understand. Because they have a greater understanding of what's in you than you have of yourself. I want you to get that because sometimes that's why God allows enemies to exist in our space, to exist in our environment. Because sometimes they push us and agitate us so much until the gift starts coming out. Because you're not fully exposed to what's in you because you haven't fully submitted yourself to God. And when you do so, God will show you things about yourself that you have not even seen, that you don't even understand, that you can't even fully comprehend, but you have to give yourself to God. Somebody pointed at somebody and said, give yourself to God. (laughs) But see, part of the barriers to us knowing ourselves, some of the barriers to our submitting ourselves to God is the trauma that we experience in life. Sometimes trauma can be a barrier to us fully knowing ourselves and exposing that which is truly within us. When I think of trauma, I think of a meteor that slams into the earth. When the meteor hits the earth, it it creates a crater. And that crater is basically just a hole. And what I mean by that is sometimes we experience trauma and we find ourselves in the hole. And instead of coming out of the hole, some of us set up residence in the hole. We begin to try and live in the hole because we're allowing trauma to dictate the course of our lives. Yes, trauma is painful. Yes, trauma is hurtful. Yes, trauma will set you back, but you're gonna have to get yourself out of the hole. Point at somebody and say, get out of the hole. (laughs) It, It has an impact on your feelings, but we have to be honest about trauma. Some of us are living in the hole and we don't realize it because we haven't been honest with ourselves. We haven't been honest about how traumatized we were by the event that happened in our lives. Because if you don't, if you don't acknowledge trauma, if you don't acknowledge you are in the hole, you keep living in the hole. You work in the hole. You stay in the hole. You exist in the hole because you haven't first been honest about where you are. You have to acknowledge I'm in the hole before you try to get out of it. You have to be honest with yourself. Be honest about the things that have happened in your life. Be honest about the things that have traumatized you. Be honest about the things that have set you back because until you're honest about it, you'll never come out of the hole. You will live inside the crater that trauma has placed upon your heart. Sometimes in terms of learning to come out of trauma, to to get out of the hole, you can't keep helping other people while you're coming out of the hole. Sometimes you got to spend some time getting yourself out of the hole. Come on in here now. So that means what I mean by that is sometimes you're going to have to set some boundaries. I wish I, I, I wish I had some real people in here. You're going to have to learn to set some boundaries in your life. Because if I'm coming out of this hole, that means I need to spend some time climbing. I don't mind helping people out, but i can help, I got to help them while I'm climbing. I gotta help them while I'm on my way. Point at somebody and say, I'll help you along the way. I I can't stop and live in the crater. I have to be able to help people while I'm climbing out. Because if you don't watch it, you'll let everybody else step on your back and they'll get out and you're still in the hole. Come on, come on. I wish I had some folks in here. Uh, We always tell you, yes, God has blessed you to have a cup. And yes, God pours into your cup and you keep pouring out and you keep pouring out to other people. But at some moment, you're going to have to be still and let God fill that cup back up. Because you cannot pour from an empty cup. You're going to have to be refilled. If I've experienced trauma, if I found myself in a hole, at some point, I'm going to have to reserve some time for me to climb so that I can get out of this trauma that has caused a crater in my life. I need time to climb. Say that I need time to climb. I need time time to climb out of the crater that has been caused by the trauma that has impacted my life so that I can get in touch with the person that God desires me to be, which means I might have to set some boundaries. I have to set some boundaries. Boundaries can be very healthy for you, both physically and spiritually. I often let me, let me break it down. I, I've often said as, as it relates to this church, we can help every single person that needs help financially for a year. And then we can go out of business and cut the, the lights can go off and, and we have to sell the property. There has to be boundaries. And just like there are boundaries financially, there are boundaries spiritually. There are boundaries of how much you can give of yourself. There's only so much you can give of yourself until you run out and don't have enough for you, I need enough mental health so that I can sleep at night. I can't pour out all my peace to you, and you over in your house sleep, and I'm up at night, and I can't even sleep. I have experienced an anxiety and depression and I'm worried about everybody else's problem and I've lost my peace because I poured it all out to somebody else. Baby, you need time to refill your cup. You need time to climb out of the hole. Somebody say it with me. I need time. You're going to have to set some boundaries for yourself. I, I tell this story often. There was a little, little girl, and I love this girl. She, she has her own issues and problems, but she's real honest. And one time she told me in the school setting, she said, Dr. C, she said, I, I just don't feel like dealing with people today. <laughs> and what what she meant by that is she wanted to spend more time in my room where she could be by herself and collect her thoughts but you know what she was 12 years old but she understood boundaries she understood her limitations she understood what she was capable of dealing with that day and she knew that she couldn't go beyond that limit she needed some time to refill her cup she needed some time to climb I need to climb out of the hole that I have for myself, and then maybe tomorrow I can deal with people. <laughs> but but I, ha- I need some time to climb. Say that again when we say, I need time to climb. Don't ignore that. You need to acknowledge your feelings. Don't try and set it to the side. Don't try and be tough and power your way through that. Because you're not, but the thing about it, because I want you to get the metaphor if I'm in the hole, I can keep pretending like I'm not in the hole. But when I wake up tomorrow, I'm still in the hole. Come on in here with me now. Because some of you are pretending like, oh, I, I, I don't need a break. I don't need time. I don't need limits. I don't need boundaries. And you wake up tomorrow and you're still in the hole. You can't pretend your way out of that. This takes work, and some of it, let me give you this, and you're going to be mad at me. You can't faith your way out of that, because faith without works is dead. So that means you can't keep saying, I'm not in the hole. No, God's saying, I'm going to give you the faith and the strength to climb out of where you are. I'm going to give you the power to exercise your faith by putting it in action. You can have faith, but baby, you still need to climb out of the hole. Somebody say, I need need time to climb time. But, but, but don't worry. Don't, don't, don't worry if you're in a situation where your outlook does not match your expectations. Don't, don't, don't worry if, if what you're seeing on the outside does not match what God told you because I want you to get this and I need somebody to write it down because I'm going to let you know that greatness grows in the soils of conflict. <laughs> greatness. Greatness grows in the soils of conflict. It's it's while I'm in conflict. It's while I am down. It's while I'm in a dark place. That seed needs to be buried. It needs to be in a dark place. It needs to be in a place where it's surrounded. It's in a place where it feels like it's buried. The only difference between it being buried and it being planted is that the seed has something on the inside. And I came to tell somebody today that that nobody has the authority to bury you. They don't have the power to bury you because the only difference between being buried and planted is if I have something on the inside that can lift me up, that can grow out of this thing. And I came to tell everybody in here, you can't be buried because you have something in you. Oh, I wish you had him. I, I, I can't be buried because I have something in me that even when it's surrounded, even when it's down, down under the dirt, something is coming forth because I have that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, so when you try to bury me, baby, you're just planting me because God has put something in me. Say it with me. God put something in me. But I, I don't want you to feel alone because there's a lot of people who experience trauma. Jacob experienced trauma. His mother taught him to lie and deceive all of his life. And it defined who he was until he had that encounter with the angel. And he grabbed a hold of the angel and he said, the angel told him to let him go. He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless my soul. Jacob was dealing and wrestling literally with his trauma. Well, his fight wasn't because of the angel, his fight was the inner fight of the struggle of the trauma that he had experienced all of his life. Let me tell you, Moses had trauma. Uh, yeah, Moses had, had trauma because, see what happened with Moses, he murdered an Egyptian and the reason he was wrestling with the Egyptian is because what was going on the outside was what was matching what was happening on the inside. He was wrestling with the Egyptian, but in his heart he was wrestling with am I an Egyptian or am I a Hebrew? Ah, come on! Remember the story of Moses. Moses', Moses mother, Yoko, she, 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 she when she when he was birth, uh, she had to put him in the river because the Egyptians were coming and killing all the newborn boys, and, and she had to put him and wove a basket and put him on the river, and then the river floated down to to the sister of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh was the one who found Moses, and, and, and she and she named him Moses. He got his name from his, his Egyptian mother because Moses means drawn out because she drew him out of the water, and she drew him out and raised him and educated him as an Egyptian. So he was born as a Hebrew, but he was raised in the house of, the, of Pharaoh as an Egyptian. So then when somebody told him, said, no, you're not an Egyptian, but son, you're a Hebrew. So he's wrestling on the inside with, with what he was born with and what he was educated with, with, with what he was born with, but what he knew all of his life. So when he wrestles with the Egyptian, that's him literally wrestling with himself. He murders the Egyptian, and then he leaves Egypt. And then Moses deals with this trauma, get this, for the next 40 years. For 40 years, he struggled with the identity crisis that he had, that was happening on the inside of his mind. And you know what pulled him out of the identity crisis? You know what made it clear and clarified his thought? It was nothing but the burning bush. Moses saw a bush that was burning, but it was not consumed. And as he walked by, it says Moses stepped aside and looked at the bush. And once he stepped aside and recognized that it was something that was greater than himself, then God spoke from the bush and said, take off thy sandals. Because the place where you're standing is holy ground. It took the burning bush to pull Moses out of his trauma. Tell you somebody else that was traumatized, that was David. David, he lived by the sword his whole life. In fact, the reason that he lived by the, by, by cause of him living by the sword his own life, God told him he couldn't build a temple to him because there was too much blood on his hands. Oh, David had blood on his hands early because even before he became king, even before he was old enough to be in the army, he had slown, he, he slew the bear and he slew the lion. That's all David knew was, was battle. All he knew was killing. And he lived by the sword his own life. You know what it took? It took the death of his son Absalom. After, he, after, he, after his sons had been killed and the sword had gone through all through his house, then David began to get down on his knees and cry unto the Lord and recognize that he needed to deal with his own trauma. I'm just telling somebody, don't feel alone where you are. Don't feel that you're alone in the hole. Don't feel like you're the only one experiencing depression and anxiety. Don't feel like the trauma of your past, the only one whose trauma of their past has kept them back and has kept them in the hole. All I'm telling you is God is giving you the power to come out of the hole. Somebody say climb out of the hole. <clears throat> because they, although they were traumatized. God gave Jacob a new name. Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but your name should be Israel because you have authority and power and you've striven with both man and God and you have prevailed. Even though Moses experienced trials, but God gave Moses the rod and, and he said, take with you this rod and Moses took that rod and he, he was able to deliver the people out of Egypt and even when they felt like they were trapped by the Red Sea, God said, what's that in your hand? And he stretched forth the rod and the Red Sea was parted. I'm telling you, God will give you power to overcome your trials. Somebody say, God, give me strength. <laughs> so you, the other thing I want to tell you, and I'm about finished, is you don't have to love where you are to love yourself. You don't have to love where you are to love yourself. And, and that's why I tell you it's a journey, it's not a destination, because a lot of people, they feel like, when I get here, I'm going to be okay. When I get here. My mind will get right. When I get here, I'll be able to sleep at night. When, when, when I get here, everything will be all right. Baby, well, let me tell you, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. What he meant, he says, I'm giving that power to you right now. Somebody say right now. Oh, come on and say it again like you mean it. Say right now. I'm not giving you authority. I'm not giving you life for he's not talking about in heaven. He said, I'm talking about I come that you might have life, abundant life right now. I want, to say, say, I want you to say, when we say, God desires that I have abundant life right now. I, I don't have to journey to it, I don't have to voyage to it. It's not in, in a place that's over the horizon that I can't see yet. But God has promised me abundant life right where I am right now. Because I come to tell you, because you don't have to be in love with your situation and your circumstances for you to love yourself. You can love yourself in the middle of your situation. Uh, you can have peace in the middle of your storm. So I said you don't have to wait till the battle is over. You can shout, now, I already know what the outcome will be, so I can have joy and peace in the middle of what looks like confusion. I don't have to like where I am to love myself. Say that with me. Say, I don't have to like where I am. <laughs> to love myself. See, that's what the devil does. The devil tries to burden us with shame. Yeah, yeah. He tries to burden you with shame. That's, that's, that's what he does. That's, that's the trick of the devil. Now, now, repentance is of God. Shame is not of God. I want you to, because there's a difference. There's a difference between desiring to repent and having shame because shame will hold you down indefinitely. Shame will keep you in a place where you shouldn't be. Shame will keep you in that crater. It will keep you in that hole the rest of your life. It's different, different feelings than, than to have shame and then to, to be repentant. Repentant means I'm sorry uh, for what I've done, but I can get that thing right if I talk to God. Shame will tell you that you don't even have the authority to talk to God. Shame will tell you that you'll never be right. You'll never get it together. You don't, you don't even deserve to talk to God. You don't even deserve for your life to be right. Don't allow your life to be weighed down by shame. Repentance is okay, but baby, don't get stuck in shame. It's okay to be sorry for what you've done and come back to God, but don't allow shame to hold you down. Shame will tell you you'll always be there. Shame, I tell you, you'll always be broke. You'll always, you'll never be smart enough. You'll never be enough. You'll never have this. You'll never deserve that. Don't allow shame to shackle you where you are. You can be repentant, but I can go back to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and, and the life. He said, if you, if you come through me, you can get to God. There is a way out of where you are. Somebody point at your name and say, there's a way out of where you are. Oh, I wish, I wish somebody would get that in your spirit. There is a way out, and my God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape so that you'll be able to bear it. I don't have to stay here. Oh, I wish somebody would empower themselves and just say that. Say, I don't have to stay here. Oh, come on and say it like you mean it. Say, I don't have to stay here. God has given me the authority and the power to come out of this situation. If God can, if His Jesus can come out of the grave, then I can come out of debt. I, I, wish I wish I had, wish I had. If Lazarus can come forth after being dead for four days, baby, I can come and be delivered out of whatever is trying to hold me back. I don't have to stay. I wish you would get it in your spirit. I don't have to stay here. Come on and say it like you mean it. Say, I don't have to stay here. My God is too powerful. My God has too much authority. My God knew in advance where I would be and that same God can bring me out of where I am. I don't have to stay here. I don't have Hallelujah. I don't have to Stay here. If you don't get anything else, I want you to get that in your spirit. I don't have to stay here. I don't have to be stuck where I am, but my God shall supply all my needs. Somebody say, my God shall supply all my needs. What we need to do is, the Bible says, come boldly through the throne of grace. (laughs) Somebody say boldly. But I, uh, when, you, when you're bold, that doesn't mean I'm arrogant. That just means I come with the understanding that whatever I've done, my God will forgive me. Uh, I, don't, I don't have to be shackled by shame. I don't have to come with my head down. All I have to do is say, Lord, Please forgive me. And I'm coming boldly because I know no matter where I've been and no matter what I've done, my God has the power to wash me. David said, purge me with his and I shall be clean. Wash me whiter than snow. Create within me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. I can come boldly. Somebody say boldly. Nobody, nobody can hold me back. The devil cannot bury me in shame. The devil cannot make me feel like whatever I've done is going to hold me back the rest of my life. I can come boldly to the throne of grace. I'm not arrogant, but I just know that whatever I've done, God's going to make it right. Whatever I've done, God's going to make me clean. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the same confidence. I have this confidence in knowing that when I come to God, I, I, I might come broken. I, I might come dirty. I might come hurt. But when I leave here, I wish I had help here. It's the same confidence you have when you go in a car wash. No matter how dirty your car is, you believe when you come out, you're going to be clean. <laughs> And that's the same confidence that I drive up to God. Uh, the uh, Sean Pace said his, 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 fa- his miracle factory of redemption, that he took a brown cow that eats green grass and, and, and drinks but gives white milk. He said, but God can take my black heart and, and he can wash it with red blood and I can come out white as snow. Uh, so when I roll in boldly, no matter what I walk in with, uh, I'm not leaving here with it uh, because God is going to make me clean. Hallelujah! God's going to make me clean. God's going to make me clean. You can't, you can't hold me back by my past. I, I don't care all these stories you got about I knew you when. I knew what you used to do. I knew how you used to act. Come on in here now. now some folks now, they're, they're not Christian, but they're going to tell you how you're supposed to act. But my God, I no matter what I'm working with, no matter what I'm dealing with, my God can make, can make me clean. He can make me clean. He can make me clean. He can make me clean inside. I have to give you this. It's the prodigal son. We know the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son, he He knew that he was in mess. He knew that he was in dirt. In fact, when he found himself in the pig pen, he found himself in shame. It was the shame of being in the pig pen. For those of you who are familiar with the story, as we assume him to be a Hebrew, the pigs were already considered to be filthy animals. So that seemed to double the shame that was in his mind. I'm surrounding myself with these filthy, unholy animals that that even my people tell me I shouldn't touch, I shouldn't be around. But in the midst of the pig pen, he didn't get stuck there. Don't get stuck in the pig pen. Because when I say stuck in the pig pen, the pig pen to me represents shame. If I get stuck in shame, I might adjust my life to live in shame. I might make excuses for my circumstances to tell people, this is how I got here, and this is why I'm here. And let me give you this. And sometimes in our minds, we begin to say, I can't do any better than this. I can't do any better than this. This is all the education I have. I can't do any better than this. I've made so many mistakes in my past. I can't do any better than this. My, my record is, is still out there. People know what I've done. I can't do any better than this. I, I have all these kids and nobody else is going to want me. I can't do any better than this. But I came to tell you, no matter where you are, God sees you. God knows where you are. In fact, God doesn't care that you went by the pig pen. God doesn't care where you're coming from. Because I want you to remember, remember the story of the prodigal son. We spend so much time on the son that we don't talk about the father. Remember, the father was the one who was waiting for the son. Waiting in the middle of the road when he got back home. And I I came to tell you, I preached it before, and I believe it in my heart that every day that the son was gone. I believe the father walked out on the road with his arms wide open, just waiting for the son to to come back home. He didn't care where he was. He didn't care where he'd been. He didn't care where he'd come from. He didn't care that he'd spent all his money. He didn't care that he'd been in sin. He just wanted the son to come back home. And I I came to tell you just like that 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 prodigal son, father, God's just waiting on you to come back home. I I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you're doing. Even right now you might be in the middle of it right now, but God is saying my arms are open and I'm just waiting on you to come back home. Come back home. I, I know your record is dirty, but I want you to come back home. I know somebody told you you'd always be right there, but I want you to come back home. I know you, even in your mind, you began to think that I'm always going to be in the hole, but God is saying my arms are open and I'm waiting on you, and I just need you to come back home. Point at somebody and say, God wants you to come back home. I, I, I have to give you this because God poured it in my spirit, but no matter what you're struggling with and no matter how shame has tried to hold you down, don't let your pride or your shame keep you in the pig pen because you have to learn, and this is hard for some of us, you got to forgive yourself. Some of us, it's easier for us to forgive other people than it is for us to forgive ourselves. Baby, you got to learn if you're going to love yourself, you got to forgive yourself. Some of you right now, you're recounting things in your mind of how things would be different if you did this. They would be different if I had done that, if I had only done this, or if I had only known that, or if I had only been in this place, then my life would be, baby, better. Baby, you got to let that go. You have to forgive yourself. Point at somebody, look at them in the eyes and say, forgive yourself you got to learn to forgive yourself. Don't allow pride or shame to keep you from forgiveness because just like the prodigal son's father was waiting on him, God is waiting on you, and you have to decide, from my trauma, from my scars, from my situation, am I going to be a victim or am I going to be an overcomer? Am I going to be a victim or am I going to be an overcomer? This is a breath check. I want you to put your hand in front of your face and I want you to breathe into your hand. If you felt that, then you have hope. If you felt it, you have hope. You have a choice of whether I'm going to be a victim or whether I'm going to be an overcomer. Revelations 12 and 11 said they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word. Of their testimony. John 16 and 33 says, In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And and baby, even though I've been through something, I I, I know I cried a little bit. And it's all right to cry. Cry is a signal that you survived. (laughs) I want you to get that. Cry is, is a signal that you survived. Somebody say, I survived. You can't cry if you didn't survive. You can't shed tears if you didn't survive. You can't feel hurt if you didn't survive. You can't feel pain if you didn't survive. I survived this, so my choice is to be a victim or to be an overcomer. And I choose to be an overcomer. I choose to live in victory. I choose to walk in victory. I choose to forgive myself. I choose to crawl out of the hole that trauma has caused in my life. And I choose to love myself again. Everyone standing on your feet, come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. I need you to, I need you to love yourself again. I need you to love yourself again because I feel like there was a point where you did love yourself, but maybe along the way, because of trials and tribulations and circumstances, that you have lost that that you felt you fell out of touch. And it may be simply shame that you're continuing to live in shame. You're continuing to exist in a place that should have been temporary and you've tried to make that permanent. God desires that you come out of that. You don't have to continue to live in that place. You have to learn how to love yourself again. Give your permission, give yourself permission to love yourself again. Because love is an action thing. Love, love I often say that faith without works is dead, but I say that love without giving is insignificant. You have to show people that you love them and you need to show yourself. Sometimes you need to take a little time to show that you love yourself. Have you ever tried, let me give you this, have you ever tried to love somebody who doesn't love themselves? Ever tried to give gifts to somebody who doesn't do things for themselves. It's almost like they can't appreciate it. They don't even know how because they don't do anything for themselves. It's difficult to love somebody who loves themselves. They always feel like there's an ulterior motive or they always set aside anything that you try to do for them or any compliment that you try to give them because they don't truly love themselves. It makes it hard, it it makes it difficult. Because God is telling us to, to love others, we have to love ourselves, to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And I'll tell you, for example, when you love somebody, you do something for them. Every once in a while, my, to show my wife I love her, I might send her flowers or I might buy her some shoes. More often, probably buying her some shoes. <laughs> but that's just a symbol. It's symbolic. That's just letting her know that I'm thinking about her, that, I, that I, I love her, that I appreciate it. I want you to think about this. Sometimes, sometimes, you need to do that for yourself. You need to do that for yourself. Sometimes it may be buying yourself something. I'm not saying that, that all, all the time. Sometimes you need to give yourself a break. Maybe I need to go on a drive and let the wind blow through my hair or over my head, whichever one it is. Maybe I I need to listen to some gospel music. Maybe I, I need to sing to myself. Maybe I need to pray. Maybe I just need to spend some time with God. Maybe I need to do something good for myself. Maybe you ought to take a day off from work. And instead of waiting for somebody in your family to need you to take off work, why don't you take a day off work for yourself? I I just need, I need to spend some time with me. I need to sit on the couch by myself, not holding any kids, not babysitting any grandchildren. I need to sit, come on in here, I need to sit and spend some time with myself. I wish I would hit with, I need, I want to take myself out to eat. I got to wait, the children don't like what I like and I got to eat what they, no, I'm taking myself out to a place where I like to eat by myself. I don't have to worry about kids' seats. I don't have to worry about what they like. This is for me. I'm taking myself out. I'm taking myself to the movies. I'm not worried about them. I'm going to go take myself out. You need to learn and show, take action on loving yourself, just like you would do for somebody else. You need to do it for yourself. And you know why you need to do it? Because if I do this for myself, I'm gonna treat you better. If I do this for myself, I'm gonna love you a little bit better. I'm gonna appreciate you a little bit more because I've learned how to love and do for myself. I I challenge you, I'm challenging this week. I'm challenging everybody in this place this week. Those who are watching online, I'm challenging you. This week, find a moment and do something for yourself to show how much you love you. It's not for anybody else. If you're going shopping, you're not shopping for the kids too. You're not shopping for, for the man in your, or the woman in your life. Just go buy yourself something. Do something for yourself, because I want you to take this is this is part of what Jesus is telling you. I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly right now. Somebody say right now. Right now. God wants you to experience that in your heart, in your spirit, in your mind, in your soul. And he wants you to do it right now. I'm challenging on this week. Make an overt effort to show how much you love yourself. Is somebody going to do that with us? If you believe God's going to bless you in that, I promise you, you'll treat people better. I promise you, you'll treat your family better. You'll treat your loved ones better. You'll treat your spouse better because you have to demonstrate how much you love yourself. And God said, you need to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. I'm going to take myself out to the movie this week. And I'm going to take you out next week because I'm going to love my neighbor as I love myself. Amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise in this house. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this message. We thank you for your word. Lord, you've told us the greatest commandment is to love you with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul. And a second, it's like it that we have to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. But Lord, help us to get in touch with what you put in us. Help us to get in touch with who you desire us to be. Lord, help us to love the creation, that that intentional creation that you made in us. And as the word has said, wisdom will teach us to love ourselves. Lord, help us to do that so that we can be a greater blessing to others, so that we can be a greater blessing to our neighbors. Lord, so that we can be even a better blessing to the body of Christ. And Lord, we pray all these things in our son Jesus' name amen and amen come on put those hands together for those who've been watching online we pray that you live blessed that you live and learn to love yourself even as god has loved the church god bless you until we shall see you again i hope and pray that each of you are touched and inspired by our service today if you wish to partner with us you can do so by give a Fund, download the app On Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the 2 line and in the 4 line tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.